0: Hey everyone, Tori here. I just wanted to take a second to thank everyone who has listened to the podcast so far. Your support means so much to us. I also wanted to let you know that we have started a Patreon to fund our show. We have a lot of cool perks for our supporters, including director's notes for each episode, monthly Q&As with the cast and crew, and maybe a special shout out for you on our credits. If you like this podcast, please head on over to patreon.com slash Larry Wells journals. That's patreon.com slash Larry Wells journals and click on the join link. We are so incredibly grateful for our listeners and we can't wait to continue sharing this podcast with you. And now on to the episode.
1: Recording patient interview, September 25th, 2009. This is Dr. Sarah Benson. Patient's name is Lawrence Wells, age 14. How are you, Larry?
2: I'm okay. (laughs) Grandma's mad at me, or at least I think she is. I I don't know.
1: What do you mean? She's just been...
2: She's been very cold with me the last few days. I, I don't know what I did, or if I did do something, I'm... I'm debating whether or not I should tell Mom, but if Grandma is upset with me, I don't want Mom to get upset with me for upsetting Grandma, and, I don't know, does that make sense?
1: It does, but I would consider talking to your mom about it. Just say, hey Mom, I think Grandma might be upset with me, but I'm not sure why, but I think I'd like to know what I did just so I can apologize. That's
2: actually not a bad idea. I'll, um, I'll do that.
1: Good. So, what else has been going on?
2: Not a lot. Rehearsals are actually coming along nicely.
1: Oh, that's great. How are you liking it?
2: Oh, God. I'm, I'm loving it. I'm, I'm really, really loving it.
1: That's great to hear.
2: Yeah, I really like my character, too. His name is Jerry Cruncher. He's a Gruff Cockney henchman, and he's also a grave robber married to a religious fanatic. So I'm, I'm really liking it. I'm, I've been channeling Oliver Reed for this part.
1: Why Oliver Reed? Have you ever
2: seen the movie Oliver? 1968, musical?
1: I love that movie. It's another Dickens story.
2: Yeah, well, the character I'm playing reminds me of Bill Sykes from that movie. That was Oliver Reed's character. I'm drawing inspiration from his performance, especially the scene when he's talking to Fagin about the chickens. They squawks, Fagin!
1: thy squawks! <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad you're enjoying yourself, Larry. Truly.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, they're... There was some drama, but, um,
1: it's, it's,
2: I think it's dissipated, hopefully.
1: What kind of drama?
2: Remember when I told you about that guy, Kevin?
1: Uh, the Tim Burton fan, I remember.
2: Well, he only got understudy.
1: Oh, that's a shame.
2: Yeah, but apparently he was pissed because he's, um, he's my understudy. Oh. Or that's what I was told anyway.
1: Well, do you want to tell me what happened?
2: Yeah, so, I actually didn't find out about the cast list until after school about two weeks ago. Fiona actually brought it over to my house to give me the good news, but while she was over, she told me that Kevin was angry with me, and of course I didn't want something as trivial as that to ruin our friendship, but I tried calling him, but he kept hanging up on me, and, well, okay. He didn't answer his phone, he just... He would let it ring once or twice, and then it would hang up. It would just go straight to voicemail.
1: So he was avoiding you.
2: That's what I thought, so I called Olivia. You remember her? Uh Uh-huh. So I called her, and she basically told me that if he was that petty, then I really didn't need someone like that around.
1: That's not unfair. No, it's
2: not, but... I wasn't entirely sure if that was the case. What do you mean? Yeah, I'll get to that. So... I waited until Monday, and things were- things were fine. I asked him about why he was ignoring my calls and texts, and it turned out he was grounded over the weekend, so his mom took away his phone. She was probably the one ignoring my calls. I also asked if he was upset with me over the casting, and he's not. He's actually kinda happy for me. I mean, he's a little bummed that he didn't get a bigger part, but that's about it. But we're good now. We're- we're really good.
1: I'm glad to hear it.
2: Yeah. Anyway. Olivia told me something, and, um, I'm not sure how to feel about it. Or, rather, I'm I'm not entirely sure whether or not I believe it.
1: What did she tell you? She told me that
2: Fiona has a tendency for causing trouble. She, she likes toying with people until she gets bored.
1: Has Fiona done or said anything that might give truth to what Olivia said?
2: Well, Olivia did tell me she was expelled from her last school for having a threesome with two guys.
1: Well, if that is true, then she'd hardly be the first teenager to engage in high-risk sexual activity. Even so, how does her doing that lend weight to what Olivia said?
2: It doesn't! I, I haven't told Olivia that. I don't even know why I brought it up. It's just... I don't know.
1: What don't you know? There is something,
2: actually. Something that really does make me wonder if what Olivia said is true.
1: And what's that? When
2: Fiona brought me the cast list that day, we were all talking, hanging out, and she said something. She, she told me that people are scum and they will fuck and fuck you over. So, your best bet is to um.
1: Your best bet is to what?
2: Fuck them before they fuck you. I I don't know. After hearing her say that in the wake of what Olivia told me, I just. I just don't want- I don't want to have made another mistake, you know?
1: Another mistake?
2: Back at St. Sebastian's, you- you remember Theo?
1: Yes, he's not one I would forget. You said he of all the bullies, he was the worst.
2: He was. The thing that, um, well, one of the things that made him so bad was that he was my friend, or he acted like he was, and I i don't mean that in the phony teenage way. We were friends! We were friends! I mean, he really made me believe that he was my friend. I mean, he hung out with Tony, Sadie, and me. He was He was in my friend group. But as soon as we were alone, he just... he changed.
1: Yeah, you said he was violent and would make threats. Uh huh.
2: He, uh. He had this knife that was serrated, and he would. He would make these really weird or inappropriate comments to me during class, and. Just these very, very gruesome sexual comments to me, and. He'd whisper them to me when. There wasn't anyone paying attention. If. If we were alone, he liked to em. Um, he would use them. Um, he would. He would use.
1: He would use the knife.
2: Yeah. Oh god, I am. Um, I remember sitting in class, listening to the lesson, bleeding under my uniform, and being terrified to say anything. And the one time I did, I sat in the principal's office, crying and begging for her to do something because I was afraid to go to school. I used to print to- I used to pretend to be sick just to leave. My I used to drive my dad crazy. She, um she um <laughs> she told me to try to not let him bother me. Because at the end of the day, boys will be boys. And that was the end
0: of that.
1: I remember your mother raised hell when that happened. Can't say I can blame her, either. That woman should have been fired for incompetence.
2: And yet she's still there. Oh god, towards the end I think Mom and Dad were in that office every week. Nothing was ever done, though. They kept telling them that there was no witnesses, so nothing could be done. Didn't even matter that I had cuts. No one had actually seen him do it, so it was my word against his. Plus, who were they going to believe? The weird kid who struggles in class, or the blue-eyed blonde kid with straight A's.
1: I remember, but Larry, what does this have to do with Fiona? Before you were singing her praises and now you're unsure about her based on something that someone else said. So what does Theo have to do with Fiona?
2: When Theo was being my friend, he was… he was great. You could be in a crowded room and he'd make you feel like you were the only one there. He would ask you about how your day was or if you were upset and what he could do to make your day better. He would, he would listen. He would actually listen to every word and when he did the things, I, I just don't know how, I don't get how, how he, um,
1: Larry, you're describing how a predator operates. Theo was a predator, a brutally manipulative one, too. Most predators prey on family or friends.
2: People who trust them.
1: Larry, do you think Fiona's going to end up being like Theo?
2: Yeah. I just don't want to make another mistake. I don't want to make the mistake of befriending the wrong person the way I did with Theo. And when she said that thing about fuck them before they fuck you, it just... It just made me think that... It made me wonder if that's something she would do to me. You know? I mean, she's been nothing but great to me, but how long before she decides to try...
1: Larry, I'm going to stop you there. But... No, Larry. Please listen to me. Theo was a predator, and I completely understand why you might be hesitant with Fiona, given what you heard and what she said, but it is not healthy to let a horrible life experience dictate your view on other people. If you do that, then you're going to be very lonely later in life, and I don't want that for you. But more importantly, I don't want you to want that for yourself. Larry. While I don't particularly agree with Fiona's philosophy, did you ever think that maybe she feels that way because she has her own issues that she struggles with? Maybe she sees something of a kindred spirit in you.
2: I don't know. Ever since I spoke to Olivia that night, I've kind of been avoiding Fiona.
1: Larry, I know someone else who was avoided because of things other people said. They weren't true things, but that person was still avoided and shunned because of the gossip that was spread. Sound familiar?
2: Okay, I I see your point. What should I do? Do I bring up what was said?
1: That's up to you. Do you think bringing it up would do any good?
2: I really don't know.
1: I will tell you that you should stop avoiding her. Again, you know what that's like better than a lot of people. Think of what your grandma's doing right now with you. You can't fix a problem if you don't know what that problem is.
2: Yeah, I know. You're you're right. I will. I will.
1: Good. How's everything else?
2: Things seem to be better. I Mrs. Kaufman has been she's been having her husband come in during rehearsals. Her husband is actually an acting coach and he's been he's been helping us all out. It's been it's been great. He's really fun to work with. I really really like him.
1: That's great, Larry. Oh, we're out of time.
2: Okay, um Rehearsals have been crazy, so I'm not sure about next week, but I'll keep you updated.
1: Okay, that's fine, Larry. Just let me know. Bye. Bye. Recording patient interview, September 28th, 2009. This is Dr. Sarah Benson. Patient's name is Claire Wells, age 49.
3: Oh, God. Why does that sound like a eulogy?
1: (laughs) Just a formality, I promise.
3: Yeah, I know. I guess the older you get, the harder it is to hear your age mentioned out loud. Actually, though, if I'm being completely honest, I'm not afraid of turning 50. The way I see it is that my oldest just went into high school, so I have earned my gray hairs, and I wear them proudly.
1: You know, that's actually not a bad way to look at aging.
3: Aging's never really bothered me. I've never been afraid of it. My sister, on the other hand, oh god. Three years ago, she turned 50. You could hear the screaming from miles away. And then you have my brother, who who doesn't ever think he'll turn 50. Christ, he doesn't even think he turned 40.
1: Yeah, there are a lot of people like that. Some age gracefully, and others go kicking and screaming.
3: You know, Larry watches the show called Nip Tuck. It's all about plastic surgery. Anyway. He was telling me about it while I was driving him to school today, and while I was driving he says, have you ever considered plastic
1: surgery, mom? Oh,
3: no. <laughs> oh, yeah. It was actually kind of funny. I just looked at him and I said, do you think I need it? His eyes went wide and he just profusely started saying, no, 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 and that he was only asking because it's not something he would ever do, to which I went, yeah, nice save. It was really funny.
1: Is plastic surgery something you would ever do? You don't strike me as the type who would resort to that.
3: Honestly, maybe a facelift for professional reasons, but those chances are slim to none. Plus, I don't like hospitals. Or blades. or Needles. Or operating rooms. I'm the big swimp I know when it comes to those things. Anyway, I don't think it's something I need to worry about. I mean... No one's turned to stone after looking at me yet, so I think I'm good.
1: Absolutely. So how are you?
3: I... (sighs) I've been better. (laughs) I, um, I got into it with my mother. Okay. It was my fault. Mom had been drinking and she was trying to pick a fight, so, like an idiot, I took the bait.
1: Well, tell me about it. (laughs)
3: Oh, where to begin? Well, a few days ago, Larry came to me, and he told me that Mom was upset with him, and that he didn't know why, and... Oh, I... I was so angry. At Larry? No, at Mom. She used to pull the same shit with me. You should know what you did. Well, sorry, Mom, but I don't. Larry asked if I believed him, and I said, yeah, yeah, I do. Anyway... I'd taken the day off because I'd been in the office every day for the last two weeks, so I thought I was due for a break.
1: I would have to agree on that one.
3: You'd be one of the few who would. Anyway, so because I was off, I decided to make us all a nice dinner. Plus, cooking is actually one of the few things that relaxes me.
1: What did you make?
3: Oh, I just, I made a pasta dish. I can give you the recipe. Anyway, so I made dinner, we all sat down, and that's when Mom came in. As soon as she came into the room, she just looks up and said, Hmm, I suppose they can grace you all with my presence. <laughs> she supposes she can grace us with her presence. Yeah, I'm so fucking honored. I didn't say that, but I thought it. So we all sat down and I could just tell she was in a mood. So I kept the wine close.
1: You kept the wine away from your mother?
3: No, the wine was for me. Anyway, all throughout dinner, she was... She was glaring at him. At Larry? Yes, and oh my god, he wasn't even doing anything. I don't think he noticed that she was glaring at him, but I did. He was just sitting there, eating his pasta, and... I don't know, I guess it just got to me, because after a little bit, I went, Oh, for god's sakes, what did he do? And she looks and just sneers... He knows what he did. that That's when Larry spoke up and said that he didn't, but he'd like to know so that he could apologize, but she just cut him off and said, I wasn't talking to you, but in any case, I've decided that I'm taking a vacation from Larry, and that just set me off.
1: What did you say?
3: I said, for what's in your fucking life Wouldn't to be a fucking grandmother and read a fucking bedtime story or bake some fucking cookies or stop being such a fucking bitch? Oh, boy. Yeah.
1: What happened after that?
3: She sipped her wine, got up, and floated away.
1: Floated away?
3: Like a vampire. Oh, God. You know, if she had just been doing that to me, her little cold shoulder silent treatment bullshit, it probably wouldn't have pissed me off as much, but the fact that she was doing it to my son just... It got to me.
1: That's completely understandable.
3: Yeah, well, I played right into her hands. I just couldn't fucking leave it alone. Had to jump right in.
1: Claire, while you may have gotten a little colorful with your words, you were also standing up for your son. At the end of the day, you're Larry's parent, not her.
3: Yeah, well, you know, when all was said and done, Larry made a comment to me. He said that he thought my reaction was about something else. That while it was about the way mom was behaving towards him, he thought that there was more behind it.
1: Well, that's the funny thing about kids. They tend to pick up on things we don't want them to.
3: That's very true. I mean, it's not like he was wrong. Whether I like it or not, my son is very perceptive. God. Now I have to apologize to her, because if I don't, then I get to listen to what kind of daughter speaks to her mother the way that you did, or something of that nature. I spent my whole childhood being afraid of that goddamn woman and taking care of her. Now, instead of being afraid, I just get angry. I get angry at her drinking, her mind games, her put-down, and the fact that she thinks it's okay for her to do it to my kids. It just... You know, she gets on me about how mouthy, or fresh, that's her favorite, how fresh Larry is. He's not even that mouthy. Believe me, I've seen to it that he isn't. I just, I don't know.
1: Well, Claire, your feelings make perfect sense. You spent your childhood with a woman who physically and emotionally abused you, and during that time and well into your adult years. It was never safe for you to express those feelings to her.
3: You know, I didn't start going to therapy until college. When I told my therapist at the time about the heartwarming story that was my childhood, um, it was the first time someone told me that what I went through wasn't normal. It was the first time I had received validation of any kind from anyone. She suggested that I, I write it all down. The things I remember. The things mom did. The things that hurt. She said, write a journal. Write it all down as, as much as you can remember. So I started doing that and it actually helped. It really helped me. I was seeing this guy at the time and he read some of what I had written and I, I just remember him turning white. I asked what was wrong, and he said, he was trying not to cry, and he said, Claire, you're describing my mother. Wow. Yeah. And then a girlfriend of mine read it and said it was describing her childhood, and, you know, I think it's such a taboo for people from our generation, yours and mine, to discuss our childhoods. We come from an era of... What happens behind closed doors of this house stays behind the closed doors of this house and you don't ever discuss it or else.
1: I would absolutely agree. I see so many patients from the same generation as us who grew up in highly abusive households and a great deal of them are just now speaking about it for the first time in their lives. I would also argue that times haven't really changed all that much.
3: Oh, I completely disagree. I I think we're way more open about those things now than we were back then. At least, I try to be that way for my kids. I like to think that they know that they can come to me. Anyway, a few more of my friends read what I had written, and I kept hearing the same thing over and over, and for the first time in my life, I didn't think I was crazy. I came to realize that Mom was the crazy one, not me. I wasn't that scared little girl anymore. A lot of my friends told me that like, I should publish it as a self-help book or something. Show other people that they're not alone. I actually considered it.
1: What changed your mind?
3: Mom was visiting me. I had to go to work, so she stayed in my apartment while I was away. I came home later that night, and she was gone, but She did leave me a note. (laughs) Apparently, she had been tidying up for me, and while she was doing that, she came across what I had written, and her note said that I was using her for my own personal gain. That I was holding her up to ridicule, and that I had no decency. How could you do this to the woman who raised you and made sure you're provided for? Shame on you, Claire, shame on you. And just like that, I... I was that scared little girl again. <laughs> you didn't talk to me for six months after that. I stopped journaling. I stopped seeing my therapist. Then a few months later, Mommy Dearest was published. And by that point, it was like, well, who wants to read about a nobody like me when you can read wit on in Joan Crawford's house, you know? I don't think I was holding her up to ridicule or... I don't know it wasn't even about her it was about me what I went through something that was actually helping me heal she took that and and made it about her and I let her do it
1: why did you stop seeing your therapist
3: I couldn't help but feel like mom's right how could I speak that way about the woman who raised and provided not just for me, but also for my sister and brother. She sacrificed so much for us, and and got so little in return. And the little that she did get in return was her husband leaving her for another woman. And my almost book Jesus, even now, still I I still feel so goddamn guilty about talking about her. And and then I get angry because she makes me feel so guilty for talking about her and all the bullshit that she put me and my siblings through. I I felt like I was betraying her.
1: Do you still feel that way?
3: To a much lesser extent now, I think.
1: And she lives with you, correct?
3: Um, yeah. I have a casita. That's where she lurks.
1: Okay. Claire, why does your mother live with you?
3: What do you mean?
1: What I said, why does your mother live with you?
3: She wanted to be closer to her grandchildren, and now that she's older, I didn't like the idea of having her alone in New York. Plus, having her here in Vegas has actually been very convenient, because she looks after the kids when I have to work. She picks them up from school, runs errands, etc., you know. And I would be lying if I said being able to monitor her drinking wasn't also a perk.
1: I understand the convenience, especially with your job, but was- what was more important to you? Having a live-in babysitter or being able to monitor her drinking?
3: The bitch is 82. Claire- Sorry. Look, she's 82 and she still drinks like a fish, okay? I'm just-
1: Claire, if monitoring how much your mother drinks was the selling point of her living with you, then I would suggest the possibility- that you reevaluate your living arrangement.
3: What? You mean... throw her out? She's my mother. I can't do that to her.
1: I'm not suggesting that to you. But I am suggesting that you go over the pros and cons. If monitoring her addiction is the reason, then all you're going to do is make yourself crazy. An addict will only stop when they want to. Not when you want them to.
3: I'm trying to take care of her, and if-
1: Claire, your mother is an adult. Taking care of her is not your job.
3: But it's been my job! Don't you get that? Taking care of her was always my job, not my sister's, not my brother's. It always fell to me! I grew up when I was seven years old, and I haven't been a kid since, okay? Do you have any idea what it's like growing up with a parent who you're not sure whether or not they're going to kill you or themselves?
1: I do. (laughs) Claire, I understand your mindset. Truly, I do. But your mother is going to do what she wants at the end of the day. You can't help that. And, you know, Claire, you may have felt like it was your job to take care of her, but you were a child. It was never your job, and it still isn't.
3: Uh, After what happened with Larry, it just... It was only a year ago, and it still feels like it was that night that I was in the ambulance with him. When I found him like, when I, when I found him like that, I remembered all of the times when I was a kid when mom did the same thing. Oh my, oh God, this is going to sound so profoundly self-centered, but I couldn't help but think, am I really so awful? That both my mother and my child would try to end their lives. Just take it away from me. I have to take care of her and my kids because if I don't...
1: <laughs> oh God. Oh God. Claire, we've spoken about your mother's attempts before. And you've even acknowledged that it's very likely that she used suicide as a weapon. Do you believe that Larry was weaponizing suicide also? Um. (coughs) Can you hand me a Kleenex?
3: Thank you. Um, I don't know. I don't think so. No, My son isn't cruel. And he did it while he was still at St. Sebastian's. I was at that fucking school every goddamn week and you know what? Give credit where credit is due. Robert was there too. We both were and that fucking principal did nothing. My son was being terrorized and nothing was ever done. No witnesses. It was such bullshit. Larry would never go into details, but I knew that there was something going on. That fucking Theo. I still know there is more than what he's told me, but he didn't didn't talk to me. He won't talk to me. You know, you hear stories and you see it in the news about these kids who've committed suicide, and you think, thank God my kid would never try that, or... Thank God my kid and I are close enough, so I know you wouldn't do that, And, and then they do. And you're left thinking, what did I do? Or what didn't I do?
1: But Claire, your son's alive. You got there in time.
0: But what if I didn't? What if I
3: decided not to come home early? He would've... Oh. Oh god, I can't. I can't even say it. I can't. They had to pump his stomach. (laughs) Shit. Sorry.
1: (coughs) Claire, have you and Larry ever talked about his suicide attempt? Oh.
3: How do you suppose I worked that into conversation?
1: Hey, honey, remember that time you tried to
3: overdose? Be serious, Claire. I am being serious, God. If I'm being
1: honest, I'd rather just forget it. Those of us who forget the past are doomed to repeat it.
3: That's not what he I meant. I, I don't know.
1: Claire, you and Larry should talk about what happened. Do you know if he and Robert ever talked about it?
3: <laughs> are you fucking kidding me? The man's an ostrich.
1: Fair enough, but I do think talking about it might help you both. I'm not saying you have to do it today, but I think being able to face this might be a first step to a healthier relationship between the two of you. And on that note, our time is up.
3: Okay, um, let me get your check. Is this right? Looks good to me. Good, um... I'm not sure when I'll be available, but I'll let you know and you can squeeze me in.
1: Okay, Claire. You take care of yourself.
3: I will. Anyway, as my mother would say, I shall see you anon.
2: Audio journal entry number four. This is Larry Wells. It is October 2nd, 2009, at 7 o'clock p.m. in Las Vegas, Nevada. Well, I haven't spoken to Fiona yet, but-
3: Come in! Come in! Hey, honey. Hey, mom. What's up? I did something I shouldn't have, and I really need your help.
2: Is everything okay? What? What's wrong?
3: Um, I just got off the phone, and, uh... I ordered an extra-large meat lover's pizza. Don't make me eat that by myself. <laughs>
2: <laughs> what happened to Weight Watchers?
3: I decided. I had the week from hell at work, so I deserve a pizza, goddammit.
2: That's fair. Um, where's Jess?
3: Uh, she's staying with your dad tonight. I thought it might be fun if we just had a night, just the two of us. I even went to Blockbuster and rented the usual suspects. Really? Oh, come on, it's Kevin Spacey. The man can do no wrong. Sounds good, Mom. Great. Honey? Yeah? You know I love you, right? Yeah? No, honey. I love you, okay? If you ever. I don't know, if you ever need to talk. You know I'm here and you know I'll listen, right?
2: Um. Sure? Um. Is there something you wanted to talk about?
3: Um. No. (laughs) Oh, no. Why, is there something you wanted to talk about?
2: Um, nope.
3: Okay, well, stop whatever it is you're doing and come help me set the table. Pizza will be here in 20 minutes.
2: Set the table? We're having pizza.
3: Humor, your mother please. (laughs) Okay, Mom. Thank you. Now come on.
2: Okay. Okay.
0: The Larry Wells Journals is written by James Cookson and produced by James and Tori Cookson. In this episode, you heard James Cookson as Larry, McKenna Ballard as Dr. Benson, and McKenna Hyler as Claire. Closing credits is possible by Ross Bugden. Find out more at instagram.com slash rossbugden. Comments, questions, or just want to say hi? Email us at larrywellspodcast@gmail.com. at gmail.com. To find out more about our show, be sure to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Larry Wells Podcast. Thank you so much for listening, and be careful what you say. You never know who's recording.